the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Saturday morning in the 11. Good morning, everyone. Saturday, 710K in U.S., February 25, 2023. Sunny, mild, and 52. Tomorrow, 55, and a ski day on Monday, 50 degrees. It's been a great morning. We had uh, David Smith, professor on from Baylor, and then Robert Spencer. And then I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Somehow... Uh, there are now been books appearing, or at least that I know of, about the radio business told from the inside, and they're incredibly truthful. They're very funny, oftentimes very emotional. This book is FM, The Rise and Fall of Rock Radio. Richard Neer is our guest, and he's been with us for about a half an hour, and he's going to stay, and I'm going to talk him into doing our shoot show, and I, I still say there's a television series in all of this, and this man is brilliant, did incredibly well. We were talking off air, you... You talk about so many different people in the book. I think maybe the better thing to do before we start talking about Allison Steele and those kinds of people, how you got into these wars in New York and the radio wars in New York must have been incredible because they were, the wars, radio wars in Denver on the AM side and then on the FM side could get brutal. But after finishing your book, that was some cutthroat stuff you went through. So how you got on the job and then Talk about what becomes what people call the radio wars, ratings wars. Well, you know, initially when I got into New York, uh, FM was just in its birth, you know, birthing pains. A little history, 1966 was when the FCC had passed a law saying that major markets, over 250,000 people, could not simulcast their AM and FM stations. Back before that, WNEW-AM was just WNEW-FM. Same thing, only FM sounded a little bit better. WNEW-AM had more range. Well, when the FCC passed this rule, you couldn't do that anymore. So FM, they were at a loss. What are we going to do? So initially in 66, they came up with an all-girls format, and they hired Allison Steele, uh, they hired Nell Bassett and Sally Jesse Raphael, you might remember yeah, that man. name, yeah, man. Uh, to be female disc jockeys. And back then, female disc jockeys, what are you talking about? They don't have the kind of voices. They can't do top 40 radio like the men can do it. Hmm. So it failed. It, it took uh, about a year, and it just didn't work. And, you know, whether it was the female disc jockeys or the fact that the music was what we call chicken rock, you know, it was... Beatles songs played by Montavani or Ed Ames singing, you know, rock and roll songs. I went through it. I played so, it. Yeah. Yeah, you played it. And I, I did. I yeah. wound up playing it, too, but hated every second of it, I guess. But, uh, you know, the bottom line was, um, you know, the WORFM started in 66 with Scott Muni, Murray the K, a fellow named Roscoe, Johnny mm. Michaels. And it was doing really, really well. But there's a guy by the name of Bill Drake. I don't know, um, Absolutely. You know if you know his name. Absolutely. Bill Drake was a top 40 guy on the West Coast. And he had this idea that he was basically going to do AM radio on FM. But the sound was going to be better. And it was going to be in stereo. 
and the jocks were going to have echo behind them and all that. So OR decided to go with that, and everybody left. Roscoe left, Marie the K left on the air. They quit in a huff, and it moved over to WNEW-FM. And the only woman who survived the change from AM to FM was Allison Mm -hmm. Steele. And they put her on overnights, and they said, well, let's just dump her on overnights. What harm can she do there? And she began to create a cult of, you know, she had the sexiest voice you'd ever want to hear. And in person, she was an extremely hot woman. I mean, beautiful, red hair, uh, really incredibly well-built, and not ashamed to show it. She would wear these leather, you know, almost bikini-type things, to public appearances and the teenage boys listening would be oh my right. you know they over the moon for her right so she developed a huge audience doing overnights you know come fly with me Allison Steele the nightbird so that's how that whole thing started and for about 4 years until 19 i guess 70 or so we had no competition You know, nobody else was doing what we were doing, so we were doing very, very well. And it wasn't so much ratings-based. The amazing thing was they had salesmen back Mm -hmm. then who would actually go into boutiques and record stores and sell. And it was cool to listen to the station, even though the ratings were never really that good. Uh, You know, the hip people were listening, and... The college kids were listening, and the people who would go into the head shops and the boutiques and the record stores were listening. So it was kind of targeted, and the station made a lot of money, even though in the early 70s they didn't have ratings. It's amazing because that's kind of when I got into the business Um, and the rise of FM. And here in Colorado, it was KLZ had an AM, and I was the traffic reporter for KLZ AM, and then they had an FM. And they also had a, a news outlet, an, a big television news outlet. So it was KLZ AM and FM, and then they had the television station. And there was actual conflict between the FM jocks and the AM jocks. And they, they were all in the same building where Channel 7 is now. And I don't want to do the stories on the air. We'll protect the names. But, I mean, it got bad. I mean, it, it was some bad stuff. And the, the story, the Allison Steele story, that, that I remember her so well, Not and then I had to go look, and I didn't realize that she had passed away. But that story about the record clicking, just tick-tick-tick-tick-tick-tick-tick, and that phone call that's made, uh, and this is at the end. Tell that story, if you would, please. Well, um, as it turned out, Allison had moved from overnights to the 10 to 2 shift, and by that time, I was program director. And... Allison was very instrumental in getting me the job at the station. I had known her a little bit, me and Michael Harrison, who I think you know is the yeah, uh, he's great. editor of Talker's he's, Magazine. He's, you know, now, he's great, yeah. It? Oh, yeah. Michael is the best. And, uh, you know, we had come to the station, and Allison, oh, these boys are so wonderful, you know, and she really sold us to the uh, management of the station, and I think she really helped us get the job. So... It was 1978-79, and Allison was just getting involved in so many other projects. And she was working until 2 in the morning, getting up early and doing a little TV thing, doing a syndicated show. She was burnt out. 
And by the time she got on the air at 10 o'clock, she was just ready to go to bed. She was tired. And she was bored. Uh, She wasn't into it anymore. So she would wind up spending her time on the telephone talking to people and not really paying attention to the records. Or she'd go into the newsroom and talk to the desk assistants or whoever was there. And, you know, she'd put on a 10-minute record, which we had in those days, and lose track of the time. And there was one time very clearly when she walked in there and lost track of the time, and for about two minutes or three minutes, the record ended, and this was all vinyl back in the day, and it was click, 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 click. And then she realized, oops, the record's over. She runs back in the studio and pretends like nothing happened. Well, (laughs) the boss, uh, the general manager, just happened to be listening. He said, what are we going to do? And back in the day, you know, now you have a problem like that, you have an engineer, you have a A a producer. producer. Sure. You have somebody there playing the records for her and just opening the mic when she had to talk and closing the mic and playing the records, basically doing all the, you know, the grunt work while she would just come on and voice it. Well, back then, that cost money, and they didn't want to spend any money. We were a combo operation. So the question was, you know, can Allison get back into the show or is she still going to be distracted with her outside things? I talked to her about it. She said, oh, no, I didn't do that. You know, she was, you know, she wouldn't admit that she was was losing it for the, you know, she was bored. And she needed glasses. She wouldn't wear them. So sometimes when she had to copy to read and she didn't have her glasses available, she'd botched the copy, and it became embarrassing. And, and you know, I, the boss, the general manager, came to me and said, what do we do? Do we have to fire her? And I said, well, unless you're willing to put up with what she's doing or not doing, yeah. yeah. And he said, okay, I'll handle it. I know you're close to her and you don't want to do it, so let me do it. And he did. And the sad thing was that Allison resented me for years afterwards for not standing up for her. And I tried, you know, I tried to give her as much rope as I could. But unfortunately, you know, the horse had left the barn. And the amazing thing is she went on to do AM after that and another radio station after that. And by then they had producers who would basically be her caddy, set up the records, cue them up, all she had to do was point, and they'd jazz her up for the breaks. Hey, Allison, come on, you're right. you got a break. you got to talk about the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. And it worked for her. And unfortunately, we didn't do that. The book is FM, The Rise and Fall of Rock Radio. Richard Nears, our guest on Peter Boyle's The Morning Show, 710 KNUS. Um, the same thing is true, and I don't want to compare and contrast the Mark and Brian show, but Mark Thompson talked. This book is, and again, if you haven't read it, I think you'd enjoy it. And... Everybody, we all seem to have a lifespan, and then also, windows open and window windows closed, doors open and doors closed. And I caught um, with Bob Lee, who I mentioned, we hit when when Outlaw Country hit, and we had a two man morning country radio show that went from like I don't know, we're like thirtieth in the market to two in the market, and did it in three books. I didn't know how to act, and it's. It's you know it was, a, it was a legendary moment, but the window opened and the window closed, 
AM radio o opened and closed, and now it's talk. And but there was nothing quite like I think, like the rise of FM. And and you point this out so well, Richard. The political scene is changing. Drugs, Vietnam, Nixon. These are all the variables in what happens in New York. Can you take some time with that and talk about that too, please? Well, you know the the interesting part of it was. After a couple of years, there there came another station called WPLJ, which was the ABC a, ABC a, FM outlet in New York, and they were ooh radically left, and they would talk about the war and they'd play excerpts of Nixon and they'd mm -hmm. flush a toilet yeah. when they played a spoof by Nixon. I mean, they were really really anti Nixon, anti the war, pro drug. Uh, John Lennon actually did a couple of shows there, um, you know, and they were very radical, whereas NEW wasn't. I mean, we had Scott Muni in the afternoon, who was an ex-Marine uh, who, you know, started radio uh, radio in Guam, uh, working for the Armed Forces Network. We had Allison, who was, a, you know, a performer who basically made her name uh, with middle-of-the-road music, the MOR stuff. We had Jonathan Schwartz, who was the uh, son of uh, Arthur Schwartz, who wrote Dancing in the Dark mm -hmm. and a lot of those old Tin Pan Alley songs. So we had a bunch of people on the air who were pretty conservative and didn't do a lot of politics. Now, as the war went on, it became very clear that our audience, which was 18 to 34-year-old men, were way against the war. I mean, they were getting drafted and sent overseas to fight a war for, you know, what turned out to be nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're buying shirts from Vietnam now. I mean, we're, we, you know, they're our trading partner. They're our friends now. And people were dying 50 years ago in Vietnam. So they were against the war, and we kind of didn't hit you over the head with the anti-war stuff, just very subtly you know, made it clear that we are on your side. Um, we didn't bash you with the politics. We let you make up your own mind. You know, Michael Jordan famously said when people asked him, hey, why don't you stand up for black lives? Why don't you stand up for civil rights? And, you know, he said, look, Republicans buy shoes too. You bet. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the idea that, uh, you know, if you get deeply into politics on entertainment radio. Now, what you're doing is a whole different thing. You're doing politics. Mm -hmm. People tune in expecting politics, and they kind of know where you stand. They didn't want that in entertainment radio. They wanted to hear rock and roll music. They didn't want to hear what you thought about women's rights or any, any of that kind of thing. And, um, you know, eventually the station became a cultural station that really didn't evolve much into politics. What I've always believed, and I, again, one of those things I like to pursue, I got into the business and it was the, uh, I worked in discos. <laughs> so, you know, I, but it went from when the war ends and Nixon resigns, the music changes. Um, the protest music or what's called protest music now is gone. Right. Dis disco arrives. And disco has this. There was no villain then. The villain was gone. That's you know? thank Nixon you. Was the villain? The, thank right? you. And and the war and it's all gone. So then, disco hits and the, and the drugs change. Um, 
acid is no longer like it's a, a hip it's cocaine now and it's all these different drugs mm-hmm. and then what i caught the wave that i caught was disco lasts for again the window opens and closes and then outlaw country and all these bars that used to be disco bars become country music bars and we worked in those bars and we introduced those acts and the stuff that you talk about i mean you knew elton john you i mean you knew springsteen you you, you knew john lennon you knew cat stevens you we we fronted, you know, Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings, and I, I got some wonderful stories about Buck Owens and those guys. We had a great time, and then that window closed, and then talk radio began. If you're going to stick around, do you see it that way? I I do, and and you know, I'm doing sports talk now. Yeah, so I know, I, do. I know, and back in the day, you had access to the athlete, and you could. You know, make friends. You'd change, uh, exchange phone numbers. Now the athletes are making so much money, mm-hmm. and they're so distant, and they have a whole retinue of hangers on, keeping you away from them. And it was like that in the music business yeah. back then. Elton John would come up to the radio station with a magnum of champagne during Scott Muni's show, yeah. <laughs> and sit there, and they they drink it together. Yeah. Uh, when I was doing overnights, Bruce Springsteen would call me. Yeah. On the listener line, hey, it's Bruce, man. And we would talk for three or four hours uh, on the uh, off the air. You know, I'd be playing my music and I'd do my breaks. Hold on, Bruce, I got to do a break. Do my breaks. Bruce, you there? Yep, yep. And we get talk. And I went to ball games with him. We were friends. And. You can't get anywhere near Bruce Springsteen now if you're a disc yeah, jockey. Sure. You can beg him, please come on my show, yeah. Bruce. I'll promote whatever you're doing. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah, can't do it. I, I, I think it was a like the term raw bone, maybe not correct, but it's the word I've been using, and the term I've been using. It was raw bone. I mean, I, I meet this remarkable guy Bob Lee and country music hits, and they're giving us a morning show, and and the stuff that you write about, and it for guys like me that lived it richard you've captured that i'll say spiritual part of it emotional part of it that how much dough do you think those guys were making i i, I got to know don imus a little bit through the ramsey thing i still appear on his show i was doing a lot of radio things on the death of john Bonet. and i got to know imus and i know that you know imus in new york was big stuff and to me imus was just like this pretty cool guy that would sit and talk to you you know, and I, I really honestly said, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff about Imus the other way, but my my dealings with Imus were terrific. Um, and when, when those guys hit New York, what happened then? Well, Imus made tons of money. Yeah. I mean, Imus, oh. uh, when he was fired from FAN because of his uh, unfortunate comments, yes. <laughs> uh, was making, I think, 3 or $4 million a Is that a what year. he was making? Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that wow. kind of money. Yeah. Not anymore. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I look back, you know, when I was a disc jockey at NEW in the mid-'80s and doing the morning mm-hmm. show, uh, I was making, I think, three or four times per shift, what I'm making now, doing talk radio, which is a lot more work. You can attest to that. I mean, you've got to do your homework. You've got to read everything that's out there. You've got to talk to people. You've got to get stories. You know, so I'm working much harder for about a quarter of the pay that I was making back then. Yeah, that's all true. And, 
And I always said, I, I, that moment, in that, and then I got to pause and come back, the uh, motion picture network that I love, and there's William Holden, and I think Ned Beatty's playing the the um, network guy, and this guy's cra- he's crazy. He's like, collar's up, he's in the rain, he's screaming. And the William Holden, who's playing Murrow probably, says to Ned Beatty, he said, you know, he's crazy. And Ned Beatty says, you know, he's got a 26, he got a 26 share. And I thought that was all you needed to know. After that, you know, did it really matter after the guy had a number? And no, it didn't, it didn't matter. But then they paid a lot of money. But that ended with corporate. I'm going to take do this. I think that even now talk radio, everything's all been so weaponized and made stupid. But come back and reflect now on the end of that because one of the things that you do that's really, really so well done and very emotional is then in this epilogue to the book, then you start talking about what happens to all these different people, and it's very true. Can you can stay with me one, two more times? I, the book is just wonderful. This is a guy who could be a friend. FM, The Rise and Fall of Rock Radio, Richard Near. Richard, can real quick, how can folks get the book again? Uh, just go on Amazon, look up Richard Near. That is N-E-E-R. There's an author page, and uh, FM and all my other books are there, and pick and choose, and Here we go. they're all uh, – very reasonable. Hang on, sir. Right back. Um, our friends at the law offices of Danny Kaplis, talking about Danny all the time, the only attorney in Colorado history to win five straight multi-million dollar jury verdicts in motor vehicle crash cases. And all the partners and a lot of the guys come out. They were uh, defense attorneys. But them, some, Many of them were prosecutors. And now they're working as defense attorneys. Denver and, and the highly successful firm in this city right now, the lineup, these former DAs and tremendous skills and Kaplis's law firm, and Dan's a friend, believes that talks cheap, experience counts, results matter. The firm would be happy to share with you its track record of outstanding jury verdicts and out-of-court settlements. Danny believes, and it's all true, that who you hire says a lot about who you are. They suggest that you choose a law firm that saves your values and saves your lives and protects you, shares what you look at in life. Danny believes that core values have been the foundation of historic success and faith, integrity, hard work, and dedication he is my friend. He is the man. Get Danny's help. Call him, 303-907-5003, 303-907-5003, 907 On the Internet, it's capitalist, it's C-A-P-L-I-S-Law.com. Make the call if you need the help. Morning, everybody. 27 after the 11. 1127, 710 KNUS on a Saturday morning, 25 February 2023, 710 KNUS, 52 and mild today, 55 on Sunday and Monday, 50 degrees. Just an incredible guest on air. And again, talk about Cenogenics, Dr. McAllen and the docs there. McAllen saved my life. I mean, she, she's a, beyond a friend. She's beyond a physician. She's kept me healthy for such a long time. A world without McAllen would not work. Your doctor knows everything about you and spends time to discover all that's necessary to get you to keep you healthy, and that's Dr. McAllen. The world exists at Cenogenics Denver for me, and you'll be seen and cared for by great doctors. There's folks on the staff. There are new guys who are coming in. The staff at Cenogenics, the world's best age management solutions. If you're old, picking up a new Road King motorcycle. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm skiing Monday. I mean, this is McAllen. Exercise daily. I got the gym 5.30 this morning. Energy life short. Your health is too precious to trust to anybody that you're going to just assign you to. Don't settle. Long waits for test results. Calls that don't get returned. She is the best. Expect the best. 
Senogenics, 720-302-2992. 720-302-2992. Visit them at denversenogenics.com, denver.senogenics.com, 720-302-2992. Every once in a while, it just comes my way, and it has this morning. This book, when I got it, first part of the week, I just nonstop read it, FM, The Rise and Fall of Rock Radio. Richard Neer is our guest. And now he, of course, like many of us, are now working in talk. Uh, I left a two-man morning show to go to talk radio because I just really couldn't take another step. And, you know, talk radio has now always been, the you know, this wonderful day at the beach. But it's all, it's always been where we come to. And now you do sports talk. But one of the things that you do, Richard, and you come to this final day, which is the fall part of it, and then you go and you begin to write about what happens to all these remarkable people that you had worked with and worked for. And I thought, thank you for that, but it was bittersweet. It's very sad. And so what happens in the end of these great FM rock wars, and then what happens to these people, and then why? Well, a combination of things. I mean, I'm one of the survivors, really. Um, Scott, um, I I told you about his drinking. Well, he stopped in 1986. Um, He had a scary uh, health issue, and he just went to Betty Ford, and he stopped drinking, and he was clean and sober for the rest of his life. However, all the drinking took a toll. He smoked uh, you know, he's a big-time smoker, and that's really what got him uh, at the age of 73, which is, you know, fairly young these days. Um, Allison, unfortunately, had breast cancer and died young, uh, younger than she should have. We, Allison, the one thing about her age, she was very cagey about her age, so we don't know exactly how old she was, but... Uh, she claimed to have passed at 58, and we think it was uh, considerably older than that, mm, regardless. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, our Dave Herman, who was our morning man for a long period of time, um, died in jail. There was a whole story mm-hmm. there. I mean, so many, you know, and the whole thing was, it was sex and drugs and rock and you roll. Bet. And, you know, the sex... Uh, you know, you, yeah. can, you can live with it, yeah. but the drugs are what really takes it to I agree. Because you. you do it when you're in your 20s and 30s, and you think, oh, I'm going to live forever. I can do this yeah. stuff. I can stay out late. I can do yep. drugs. Yep. I can smoke whatever. And, uh, yeah, you can, but it catches up with you. It's and, true. unfortunately, it caught up with so many of my colleagues. Both of our friends and colleagues, people we work with and I have a, a list in my head, a running list of these remarkable men and women. And some, you know, like you said, that time when I came into the business, I worked at a 50,000 watt daytimer, cat, K-O-O-A-T, cat radio. There was one woman in the building and she was known as the girl. <laughs> and that's what they could. She didn't have a name. She was the girl, yeah. you know, and you, you say the same things. And then now, you know, our, our, my sales manager is a woman. There was a time that my program director was a woman and sales manager was a woman. That's good stuff. I mean, I'm glad that changed. So glad that changed. But so what was the final time? And you, you know, in essence, say it, that you, you knew that it was time and you had, they let you go and you knew it was time to make that change to where you are now. Talk about what leads up to that and what that was like. 
Well, unfortunately, uh, I mean, NEW lasted longer than almost all those radio stations as a station where you could play whatever you wanted, you could talk, say whatever you wanted. You know, I, I talked about politics. You didn't do much of that. Well, if we wanted to, we did. I mean, if there was a particular issue that was uh, something that we were interested in, we could talk about it. We could tell stories. We could tell jokes. We could do interviews. Um we didn't do a lot of that, but we peppered it in with music. And, you know, it was a great source of pride to discover an artist. You know, like I'm giving credit for discovering Bruce Springsteen because I caught on to him very early and played his records and was kind of an advocate of Bruce Springsteen. And on the other side of, of the musical spectrum, I don't know if you remember Peter Allen. Oh, sure. But Peter Allen, you know, was a Broadway showman and he, you know, did you know, a lot of great music, I played him and kind of exposed him to New York. So those were the things you were proud of. But starting around 1980, they decided, you know what? We need consultants. We need efficiency managers. People who can tell you how to do your job better than what you're doing. Yes. And they would come in with their statistics. Yes. It's it's very much like analytics in baseball now. Oh, God where they'd come in with numbers and they'd say, well, according to the numbers, you got to do this and you got to mm-hmm. do that. And we'd say, well, but that, that takes the soul away from the radio. Wow. Soul radio yeah. stations yeah. don't have soul. Yeah. yeah. So what it became was there was a playlist and the playlist got tighter and tighter and tighter. And the choices the disc jockeys had were fewer and fewer to the point where you'd come in to do your show and there was a computer sheet with all the music on it. Yep. And you couldn't change it. You had to just play that. And if it was a bad segue, if it was a folk song going into ACDC, so what? They didn't care. And it be, it got boring. And, you know, I told you about Alice and Steele getting sure. bored. Well, about 10 years later, I got bored. And I'm sitting there playing music that I don't care for, that I had no selection no choice in selecting. And the mantra then was shut up and play the music. Yep. So you play three or four songs in a row and then, oh, we don't want to hear what was, we want to hear what's coming. Mm. So you couldn't even back announce the records. Yeah. So all you were doing was then stay tuned, we got more foreigner coming up. First of three in and a row, first of four in a row. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and the commercials would end and you go, okay, you know, hey, you got to get out of those commercials quick and back into music. Yeah. So you'd, you'd say, okay, here's Foreigner, boom. Bang. So you really had no creativity going from a, a format where the show was you. It's like your show is yeah. all you. Yeah. It's your personality. If you're not there, the Peter Boyle show is not the show. No. It's somebody else doing something yeah. else. I, I, I saw That's that. Watch the way our music yeah. shows work. Richard Nears here, the book FM, The Rise and Fall of Rock Radio. Then those guys, they brought those guys into into talk. And the late Alan Berg and I had a guy. And Berg figured out that the guy had gigged in Miami. So for, I don't know how he did it. He got the numbers. He got this guy's numbers. And we're killing it. We're doing great. <laughs> and, and Berg confronts the guy. You know, hey, dude, you got a one share. You know, and, and he had a great line. And he would say about radio consultants, he said, you know what they are, kid? And I go, what? And he'd go, this is a guy that knows 103 women. No, wait, knows 103 different ways how to make love and doesn't know any women. <laughs> I thought, 
radio consultant. Well, and you, yeah. you say in the book that, and I watched it, they always have a blame game. You can, well, you know, if the numbers slip, it's not their fault. Talk, talk, talk about that, Richard, if you would. If it's whose fault is it? Yeah, well, that, that was great. They, you know, it was uh, heads I win, tails you lose, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it yeah. was, if it didn't work, yep. well, you're not executing it properly. <laughs> if it did work, yeah. well, it's my brilliant plan. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> nothing to do with the human being no. who was actually speaking and pressing the buttons and yeah. doing all that. Yeah. And and I found out later, you know, they had all this research. So I said, well, gee, hmm. you know, maybe they know something we don't. Turns out they made up most of it. <laughs> exactly. You know, they basically stayed up at night. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and figured out what they wanted to do. And they hmm. couched it in semi-scientific terms. And she said, well, geez, I, I, I'm sick of hearing that yeah. record. Oh, the audience loves it. Keep yeah. playing it. Because yeah. they liked it. I, I remember doing country. And Kenny Rogers had a hit with a song called The Gambler. I, mm-hmm. I, to this day, I hate that song. But we, we had to play it. You know, we had to play it I, three times an hour. I forget what we did. And they said, because they said, people want to hear that song. I said, that's a depressing song. A guy dies on a train. <laughs> We're doing a morning show. No, we play that song. But remember, and you say that in the book, by the time this thing got to be a hit, the jock hated the song. Yeah, that's the problem. You yeah. know, by the time uh, the audience is getting familiar yeah. with it, the jock is sick of it. Yeah, no, there's and, no uh, play. You have to find a balance. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah. I, I took joy in new music. Oh. You know, stuff that wasn't, you know, a, a hit already, oh, but man. was going to become a hit that yeah. I liked. Yep. And uh, that basically, um, you know, it's like I go back to WABC, Rick Sklar, which was the oh, big man. top 40 station. He's the genius guy that, yep. that programmed it. And um, this is why Scott Muni left ABC. Scott Muni heard Ragdoll by the Four Seasons. I don't know if you remember <laughs> yeah, that. Of course song. I do. But, but it was a very slow song, yeah. but it was a great song. Yeah. And Muni said, this is going to be number one. And Sparka, yeah. oh, it's a dirge. Yeah. We're not going to play it. We're not going to yeah. play it. Finally, that record went to number one. Yes. <laughs> and he had to play it. <laughs> you know? And then all you heard was Ragdoll twice an yeah. hour. And it's like, okay. Muni was sick of it by then. We, we all those southern rock bands. We got to play them, and you know the the Almond Brothers were acceptable, and Marshall Tucker, and we saw these guys coming, and it, it was a wonderful time. I I wouldn't trade it for the world. And then, as you said, and you write so so well, it comes to an end. And when and let me do this because I'm close. I just looked up at the time. I'm not even paying attention. I need to take a quick turn around and come back. And then when we're doing this pause, uh, Blake will set you up, if you would, to do our YouTube show. I, we can zoom you in because I'm not way not done listening to you talk. So he would hang on. Uh, the book, again, is FM, The Rise and Fall of Rock Radio. Richard Neer is our guest. You'll feel relaxed and at ease. Twin Aspen Dental Center's sedation dentistry. So whether you need a routine cleaning, a same-day crown, or a one-day dental makeover, doctors Richter and Snyder. The team will ease your dental anxiety. My family, I think my son's headed there this week. They've gotten quality care at Twin Aspen Dental Center's place for years. They use the most up-to-date technology, less invasive treatments, and treatments and traditional dental procedures. So don't let old-school fears keep you from a beautiful smile and a healthy mouth. You'll be relaxed and comfortable. They take away that fear. 
I needed to do this is a year and a half ago, two years ago. I'm at Shiloh, and now I go back, get my teeth cleaned, and we talk, and I see Dr. Snyder, who's just the best, and Dr. Richter. Dr. Richter's my guy. Deep cleanings, quick and pain-free, and it's been a while since you've seen the dentist. Please don't wait. Take the first step towards keeping your great smile and getting a better one. Twin Aspen Dental Center's office located on Stroh Road in front of the Lehman Academy in Parker. Visit TwinAspenDentalCenter.com. Twin Aspen, ASP, of course, A-S-P-E-N, DentalCenter.com, 303-841-7466. TwinAspenDentalCenter.com, 303-841-7466. Don't wait. They are the best. Morning, everybody. It's 1145, 15 before the hour, 710 KNUS. And our guest will do the shoot with us probably sometime within a month or so. Ski season is in full swing. My daughter and I are going to ski. Winter Park snow is hero snow. You know what it means. Larson Ski and Sport to get all your new gear for the season. Now, things are coming. You know, this is the best time. February, March. There's people I know that don't start to ski until the middle of January, 1st of March. Take it from me. This is the time. Ski and snowboard equipment, Larson Ski and Sport. Looking for a, a day or a season rental, Larson's has the best rentals available. Or if you're looking for new ski boots, Larson has the best fitting process in Colorado. I watched them do it. The guys at Larson will take the time to get to know you and your family and match you with all the right brands so you can enjoy your time on the hill. Larson's is so convenient. Stop on the way up. Stop on the way home. They're the big wooden box store south of I-70 on Kipling. So you're going, and again, kids and grandkids always rent. Next year, it'll be going to be too small. So you're westbound on I-70. Get off on the Kipling exit. Come down the ramp. Make a left. Go underneath I-70. Come out on the other side. Look to the west, to your right. You'll see the Crab Shack. And next to the Crab Shack, big wooden box building. It's Larson Ski and Sports, seven days a week. John Marriott and the guys are the best. Larson's absolute experts at everything you need for winter sports, snowboards, cross countries, snowshoes, downhills, rockers, side cuts. Today, all the warm equipment, warm gloves, helmets, goggles. Larson Ski and Sport, south of I-70 on Kipling, 303-423-0654, Just walk. Walk in. Larson Sport, L-A-R-S-O-N, LarsonSport.com. And not the final time he'll be with us, but the final segment of the morning. And the book is, again, special. If the radio, um, looking from the outside, looking inside, it really makes sense. FM, the rise and fall of rock radio. Richard Neer is our guest. As I mentioned, you you do something that is so well done, how it all comes to an end. And then what's, look at radio today, and what do you think we see? So I turn that, both of them back over to you. Uh, well, <laughs> I feel the same way. I don't want to hear this. Yeah, but. Uh, um, I, I don't see radio being very healthy, to be honest. No, it's sick. With you. It's I very mean, sick. Yeah. You know, the company I work for, Odyssey, mm-hmm. you know, the stock is down in the 20 cent range, I think. Um, so that's not a good thing. I'm, you know, they're branching out into other media and, you know, there's some very bright people running the company. So hopefully they can save it. But, um, you know, sadly, in New York anyway, AM radio is, is dying. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know, we on FAN, we say FAN FM now. We don't yeah. even really refer to yeah, I know. 66. And 66 was WNBC. It mm-hmm. was Don Imus' station. Oh, yeah. And now it's kind of an afterthought. Well, so it's been, it's been politicized and weaponized and made sick. 
Um, you know, I have this theory about countries and companies and individual families getting sick. Radio is sick. I loved what, what that you had said that. I was unexpected, but but Richard, it's true. Yeah, and, and music radio, I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, we've got a, a classic rock station in New York that does pretty well, but why would you listen to the same 250 songs no. over and over again with commercials no. when you can go to Spotify Thank or you. any of the streaming services and hear whatever you yeah, want, sure. whenever you want. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking and, and what I miss most, Peter, is the fact that I used to listen to FM radio, so mm-hmm. introduce me to new music. Yeah. You know, let me know this breaking artist. Yeah. And classic rock stations don't play any new music. No. Uh, I have a friend who's a disc jockey at the big station in New York, and I said, when Bruce Springsteen comes out with a new album, do you play it? No. Oof. Why not? Yeah. People don't want to hear his new stuff. Well, how do you know they don't want to hear research. his new stuff? Research. 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 Yeah. No, I... Uh, uh, they they don't care about his records. They don't even like his music. And I go, well, yeah. how come when he plays Madison Square Garden, he can sell out ten nights yeah. in a row? Yeah. Oh, well, that's him playing live. They like that. Yeah. And they go, really? Yeah. So they would spend hundreds of dollars to see the man play live, yeah. but if he, his song came on the radio, they'd turn it off? Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And also, the business has been weaponized, and um, it just and it's been turned into a I don't know what you want to call it anymore and it's 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 not it's not there anymore and I'm with you I, I have a I have XM in my truck and I'm picking up a new motorcycle with motorcycle geek and I got getting a Spotify sound system placed on this new bike and it's amazing I mean I just want to if I'm going to do a I want to do a Springsteen ride or a Marshall Tucker ride or you know whatever I want to do then it will take care of it for me. And technology has jumped ahead. And I've been told, I don't know this, and perhaps you do know it, that Detroit's going to make cars that do not have AM radios in them. I don't know if that's true, but I've been told it. Um, well, uh, the problem is that electric cars, there's so much interference from the electric motor wow. in AM. Okay. It can't be listened to. They have to put in special filters, yeah. which are very expensive. Yeah. And as they see AM radio fading and the ratings and everything mm-hmm. else, they're saying, huh. why spend that kind of money when people don't use it? But if you're good, and I have this uh, this no- notion that content is king and you've proven it, if you're good, they'll find you. If you can do this, you'll yep. be fine. But you got to put in the work. You can't walk in and sit down and ask the guy behind the glass, what are we going to do today? You know, and and you proved it. I mean, you even talked about and um, there. You have so many. You have great Bruce Springsteen stories. Um, do you still hear from him and talk to him? Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Do you still? Do you <laughs> Bruce st- is hanging out with Tom Hanks and Barack Obama and yeah. all his buddies, and uh, he doesn't have time for a lowly disc jockey who plays yeah. oh, no. in the seventies and eighties. What about Stephen Van Zandt? What about Van Zandt? Oh, yeah, Stephen, uh, I'm in touch with Stephen. Yeah. Stephen just wrote an autobiography, and I had him on oh, wow. and talked about it. Uh, yeah, Steve's, uh, you know, and they're on tour now. They're touring hmm. the country and uh, doing all that. But, yeah, Steve's a, a good friend. One of the things, I'll wait till people buy it, but when John Lennon is killed, you have a, a story in a book about when John Lennon dies. And all these guys, and they're like you interplay with them. And I've talked to people about we got to know Willie Nelson, we got to know Waylon Jennings real good. And um, 
you know, they were they were just like us, except they were talented, you know, kind of a thing. But they were just guys, <laughs> you know, and they were great. I listen. Thank you for a wonderful week of reading. Thank you for a great hour and a half of radio. And I know you're going to do our shoot show with you, and we will have you back. Richard, you're a special guy. You really good. And again, tell the folks how they can get a copy of FM one more time. Okay. Well, Peter, thank you so much for having me. Uh, just go to Amazon and go to the Richard Near author page. And let me just put in a plug for some of the other sure. books because most of them, there's a, a character named Rick Stone who's a disc jockey based loosely on me, very loosely on me. And the first five books of my Riley King series, the novels, feature Rick Stone. And what Rick does is he quotes song lyrics all the time. He could have a conversation with you and not use an original yeah. phrase. It would all be lyrics from songs. Sure, sure. So I think if uh, people are into music and uh, radio, they get a kick out of that. And that's all in the first five or six uh, books in the Riley King novel series, in addition to FM. Are you, with the, you, are you working, do you do Giants radio? I mean, wh where are you now? Well, I did do that uh, in the early 2000s. I haven't done that since, but the Giants are on our station. Okay. So, you know, I interviewed Giants. Were you there? Um, I, th I think we just heard a bop. I think we lost him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's all right, man. We can, we're, Tell him when he calls back, tell him we'll talk to him. Um, that's it. What a remarkable show. It was very good. I love talking to, to David Smith and Baylor and Robert Spencer. Turned a lot of people on their ear. Um, you listen to Spencer. He, the people thought Spencer's gone crazy. Um, I'll leave you with something. This John Eastman thing has been so upsetting to so many people. Look, very few people have gone from relative obscurity to becoming a public pariah as quickly as John Eastman has. And Eastman was he's an odd character, former Trump advisor. He finds himself now deeply uncomfortable in this well-deserved position of being the most reviled lawyer in, or one of the most reviled lawyers in America with, you know, Giuliani and Jenna and the Kraken. But things that were said, I guess, here, I don't know. Um, one other thing you offer, there's a guy named Eric Hirschman who was a, another White House attorney who was so taken back when he discovered what Eastman was involved with and he said to Eastman, he said, you know, the best legal advice you're ever going to get in your life. And he says it to John Eastman, get a great effing criminal defense attorney. You're going to need it. And Eastman told Rudolph Giuliani that he decided that he should be pardoned. He never got the pardon, but he was right to be concerned. Why do you think Eastman and Trump and the rest Maybe someday, in a very soon amount of time, you'll see that trash taken out. I'll see you next Saturday, 9 o'clock. We'll do the shoot. Dr. Daddio is going to do the shoot with us this Wednesday. Legendary disc jockey in Denver. Take care of yourselves. Someday you're going to need a great effing defense attorney. I think I'd like a pardon. You didn't get it. Why would a man ask for a pardon if he's this innocent, new-driven snow? Because of who he is. Oh, Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.